Blog Talk Radio. show for you this week. A whole lot of stuff happened and a whole lot to talk about. Um, so why not just get right to it? Coming to you live from the Classic City, Athens, Georgia, this is Arthur Balin, and coming to you somewhere on a bus in Sacramento, California, the immortal Patrick Toppin. How we doing, folks? I am here. I am after a long commute home that took me almost an hour, despite the fact that I live a mile and a half away, um, still not sure how that happened. Uh, I am I am here to analyze all the fun big news in the Boston College universe. We should ban cars. Thank you. Indeed. So let's get right to it. The Big news coming from this weekend. Shockingly, the, the, the most amazing thing that has come out ever in the history of BC Athletics. BC is still eligible. Uh, I, were, you, were, were you expecting me to say something else? I was say, like you said that Boston College beat Pitt, right? Yeah, Boston College beat Pitt. And nothing else happened. That is the only noteworthy thing that happened in the last week, so I'm glad. Yeah, and I mean, like, there's like a small personnel change too, but uh, they fired. Uh, I guess we we'll talked about that a little bit earlier. Yeah, we can talk about that after the fact. Let's let's dive into the win first because it is, by all accounts, a good win. Um, it is a win that I did not expect Boston College to pull off. It is not a win that I, um, you know, I would not have predicted it. It was a win done almost entirely on the backs of, believe it or not, the defense. Um, and unsurprisingly, the running game. Um, you know, all props go to A.J. Dillon in what I presume will be his last game as an Eagle. Um, if he doesn't go pro, he's insane. And if he plays in the bowl game, he's also insane. And I say that as, like, you know, a, a very big fan of his. Um, so congratulations to the defense on putting it all together for the last game of the year. Congratulations to AJ on a great Boston College career. Um, if this truly is it, Arthur, what did you see in the game, and what do you make of it all? Uh, it was kind of a really weird um, – I don't want to call it an ugly game because I don't think it was an ugly event, but it was it was just kind of um, it was just 
odd odd game to watch. I mean, I mean, number one, obviously AJ Dillon was, you know, his usual self. Um, but what, 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 there, there, it's probably worthwhile to sort of point out a couple things too. Number one, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. The defense, um, uh, exceptional work. But number two, let's talk about how Aaron Beamerhide uh, had um, just randomly one of the best games a BC kicker has had um, in recent memory. He had four field goals, um, none of them from a significant distance. But as, as anybody who's watched the team knows, um, that's like it, really any kick um, is uneasy. Um, so. I'm sorry. So this is Boston College. Going four for four on field goals is a big BFD around these cards. I mean, yeah, Aaron Boomer High. Like if he if he didn't have the games he had, BC would have lost. Um, like that's that's just a mathematical reality. Um, so the fact that um, he had the game that he had um, uh, is is really good. Um, and it, it, it should not go without notice. Um, the defense, additionally, was, was played a very solid game. It held, held Pitt to um, 19 points. But let's talk about how A.J. Dillon bullies one of the best uh, defensive fronts in the country. Um, he, like you mentioned it, but he just ran over a really solid defensive front uh, in Pitt. Um, he... Um, Really bullied them, especially down the stretch um, when uh, BC needed to get the ball moving um, to, to, to um, you know get some time off the clock. So just you know, really solid effort by uh, by AJ Dillon in the run game. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. It was another sort of just vintage AJ Dillon performance. It's kind of weird to be at the point where I look at it and I say, oh yeah, AJ Dillon. Was oh, 32 carries for 178 yards and a 61-yard touchdown. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, he's, I mean, he's just one of the best. He's big. He's physical. He wears down defenses. He's great in space. He's impossible to tackle. Um, I think a lot of credit goes to the offensive line as well. I think they did a solid job of getting uh, like said, getting him holes against a very, very good defensive front seven for Pitt. Um, and then they sort of, they allowed, they put him in position to make plays. And in the end of the day, that's all you can really ask for. Um, so I'd say props to both of them. Grossell didn't really do much anything all game. I mean, he was, he was kind of just, did his best job game managing for lack. I don't really he hovered around 50% again. Um, so that's, that should be noted. Yeah. So, and ultimately like, you know, the difference between this game and some of the last games is that BC was able to sustain drives. Um, with the exception of the 61 yard touchdown run, uh, every BC scoring drive was, I guess there's one seven play. Everything else is like, you know, 11 or 10 plays for 70 yards. So, you know, props go to them. Uh, BC never trailed in this game, which is a nice sort of plus. And it was just, it was a good wire to wire win to close out the season and to close out, I would say Steve Adazio's tenure, but we're not ready for that transition yet. 
what I think also deserves a lot of credit, we talked about it. The defense played with an intensity that I have not seen in a while. Um, they finished the day with four sacks, three QB hurries. Um, they, had th- they recovered three fumbles, and you know that's not exactly consistent, but it's just a very, very good job um, by guys like Tanner Carafa and Nolan Borgerson to just get in the backfield and make plays. So props go to them. Um, it's sort of hard to say anything about, you know, quote-unquote going forward because it's hard to know what to expect out of the bowl game. We don't know who they're going to play yet. We don't know if anyone is going to sit out. Um, and, yeah, it's it's just a good way to cap off the year. I mean, for sure. And I think you saw a lot of um, older players who – or a lot of younger players who wanted to play for the seniors and wanted to give them one more game. Um, so uh, they, they definitely did that. Um, you know, like we, we kind of mentioned, I said this on Twitter, um, and that kind of in hindsight, um, the fact that AJ Dillon's probably not going to play the bowl game kind of puts this into question. But he kind of he played like a player who didn't want uh, that game in Hinesfield to be his last college game. Um, and whether or not he plays in a bowl game, you know, like I, I think you're absolutely right. He, I think he'd be foolish to do so if he's going to go pro, which he probably should. Um, but he he played like a, a football player who didn't want to um, end his career at at Heinz Field. Like he, especially down in the fourth quarter, he he bullied um, like the defensive front. Like he and he just had a really solid, typical AJ Dillon game. Um, so, a lot of things to be happy about um, with that game on, on Saturday. I will also admit that at the conclusion of the game. I was not happy because I really, really thought that it was going to be enough to save Steve Adazio's job. Dun, dun, dun. There's your transition. But it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, it was – I was complaining to my dad, you know, being like, I cannot believe we won this game, and this is what saved Steve Adazio's job. I I would rather have lost it because – been discussed to death. Everyone agrees that it was time. I don't think I don't think there was anyone sort of on the island, you know, stumping for Steven Dazio. Um, I think that it was it was the right thing. It was everyone agrees it was the right thing to do. It was time. Um, I think we should talk about the firing first because there's a lot of stuff that has come out, obviously, and then I think it is worth talking about potential replacements. And we can maybe have a full-on replacement episode when the successor gets names. But Arthur, there was a lot of stuff that was talked about and that came out in the wake of his firing. And most of it was not good. I think it further – it pounded the point home that this was the right move. Yeah, I, I I gotta be honest. I I don't think I've ever seen anything like that when the the coach leaves on amicable terms. If that makes sense. Like obviously, like when there's scandal, obviously like there's a whole bunch of stuff that comes out. But Steve Adazio left um, for performance reasons. He didn't leave because of scandal reasons. Um, so 
the fact that I that there's there's just so many people coming out at the woodwork, you know, from uh, you know Andre Williams uh, uh, to Josh Kyes to uh, gosh, I, I I I can't even think of all the people who came out. Like Chris Cameron uh, came out of a, a former uh, BC uh, PR person. Uh, Michael Sullivan um, had a, a story to share, which uh, if you know Sully. Um, yeah, that's 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 not uh, abnormal. Uh, like he he and he and Dad's like had kind of a very special relationship. Um, but just the ocean of people um, who d- didn't even talk about Steve Adazio as um, as a football coach, but but or like as as a as a coach of like a football program, but like as as a person and a, a person at the university. Um, was was very staggering, but it was also enlightening. Um, and it, it, the thing is, you know, you look back. Um, you know, I, I, I'm I'm the firm opinion that you know every every single football coach um, at the Division One level, especially in the Power Five, is a jerk. Um, but it's remarkable just how much. Um, came out in the wake of Steve Adazio's firing. Um, just story after story of how Steve Adazio just wasn't a good person um, in in, um, in the offices. How you know he blackballed Josh Kyes after he said some, like slightly mean things about him on Facebook. Um, how he just kind of ignored Andre Williams after like and. And Andre Williams is absolutely right. I, I would be shocked if Steve Adazio didn't use his name um, in recruitment, especially for some of like the running backs that he got. Um, like the snub you know, Andre Williams like that, like he 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 did him dirty. Um, and just like so many players and meet and people just coming out of the woodwork and saying and not even like keep talking about the fact that he wasn't a good football coach, just like basically calling him a bad person. Um, was honestly something I've never seen before. Sorry, what was that? What? I was having issues with my uh, mm. with my thing, with my good old computer. Yeah, but it's it's it, it was crazy, and um, it, it really took me aback um, because. What I'll say. Sort of on like the whole thing is like, I think you you need to have a tremendous amount of ego to succeed as a college football coach. You need to have you need to believe that you are the best coach in the world. Um, you need to believe that you can beat any team. You need to have sort of this tremendous ego, almost bordering on arrogance, when you are a college football coach. I understand that. And I kind of, I don't respect it, but I understand that it's part of the job and it's what it takes because you work some long hours and you play some much more talented than you teams. And at some level, there has to be like the belief of like, yeah, we know we catch the right breaks. We can beat your ass any day. Um, the portrait of Steve Adazio that I think I'd been exposed to. So I always tell this story because I worked for the football team for um, a semester before I decided that it wasn't worth it. Um, and Steve Adazio, my freshman year, which was the three and nine year where we went winless in conference, used to rant about um, reporters 
and blogs like us in practice. Um, which one, Steve, why are you reading VC Interruption? You have more important things to do. Um, and two, why do you care what I say? I'm not qualified at all to be judging your job. You have a very different job than I do. Um, and I do not know what it's like to be a Division One head coach. Um, as much as I might like to believe it, I do. Um, my opinion should not matter. The portrait that emerged of Steve Adazio is that of kind of a thin, it's like a sort of arrogant, but also very thin-skinned man who did not have the ability, um, who had like, who almost didn't have the ego to stand up to the scrutiny um, that comes with, with all due respect, one of the least scrutinized jobs in Power Five. Um, and BC fans, you know, expect a lot out of their head coaches and a lot of out of their teams, but they don't expect any more than any other team in the country. Um, right? Like, you know, when Adazio was at Florida, I wonder, I, I do really wonder how he put up with criticisms because that he was, he was on a, I mean, maybe winning, you know, winning cures all woes, but I don't know, it just astounds me. Um, the news that came out further reinforced sort of the image that Steve Dazio's had. It made me wonder a lot about how he had the respect of the team that he had um, and how he knew what to say and when this, I mean, I don't know. Like it's a, Steve Dazio's teams never gave up on him and learning what we have in the last couple of days I really struggle to understand why I would have given up on him. Um, so it's been enlightening. It is a reminder that this was a hundred percent the right move. Um, and now the question becomes, how do we move on? How do we get to that? Well, next level? Before we get to that point, like, there's, there's just, I thought one more thing I want to say. Um, you know, I, 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 one of the things that, like, frustrated me by what I saw was it wasn't the mark of, like, what the things that he was doing, obviously it reflects poorly on him as a person. Um, and, like, and I, I, I don't, and I think that should not get lost in the translation. Um, Steve Adazio did not come off as a good person um, um, in the vast majority of the stories that were told. Um, but Two things really kind of stood out to me, uh, and, and number one uh, was his relationship with the media. And obviously, uh, you know, we 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 kind of dealt with it a little bit, and, and a lot of ink was, has been spilled about our relationship with with Steve Adazio. So I'm not really going to get into that. But um, the story that Michael Sullivan told, and I know Sully very well. He's, he's a good friend of mine, um, and um, I said this on Twitter. I'll say this now. If anybody wants to question his professionalism. Um, you're going to hear from me because he's, he's the consummate professional, um, and uh, he's working. I think he's working at CBS News right now. So uh, I'm glad he's he's still in journalism because the industry is better off about, with him in it. Um, but you know the story that he told, um, where um, you know he wrote that 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 story about the Wake Forest, which was an abysmal game, and 
Um, you know, I, I saw he, I, I think he mentioned on Twitter that he, he, he in retrospect, thought he might have been a little bit harsh. Uh, I thought this, honestly, the tone of the story, like reading it again, was, was just right. Um, but the fact that, that Steve Adazio um, sent a guy like Chris Cameron, um, who was the media relations person at the time, to hunt Michael Sullivan down, who was a, I want to say, either a sophomore or junior in college. Um, he was a sports editor, but he was like a sophomore and junior in college. The fact that Steve Adazio, he would, be, he would have um, been a sophomore. Is, 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 he would uh, have like been. A- that, yeah, like the fact that he tr- like sent Chris Cameron to track him down uh, because he was he was upset about a thing that Michael Sullivan said um, was really frightening. And I'll, I'll give Chris Cameron a lot of credit. Like he mentioned that, um, and, and Sully mentioned this too, uh, that, um, you know, Chris said, like, you, sh- you should go to practice anyway. Don't let him intimidate you. Um, and, like, and I'll, I'll say this too. I, I knew Chris when he was there um, as um, uh, a public relations person. He's a stand up guy. Um, so, like, uh, but this is, uh, like, this, sh- this, Shouldn't be in um, in the conversation about Chris Cameron because I, I always liked him when he was there uh, at, at BC. Um, but the fact that he's spending so much time thinking about what Michael Sullivan says or really any media person says is, is a problem. And the other thing I wanted to mention is um, Steve Adazio's relationship with alumni is a really big problem too. Uh, and I, I think back to um, the um, like a, a thirty for thirty I saw about. Um, the SMU football team, uh, where it, like it was, they, they obviously talked a lot about like leading up to like the death penalty, but they also focused a lot on what happened after the death penalty. And you know, one of the things that they did, I mean, uh, there's a whole lot of reasons why SMU football didn't recover the way um, it, it could have. Um, but one of the big reasons was is that they cut off like all the alumni. Um, and it, like the thing is, like for a program like BC. Um, the way you recruit, I think, is like you're not going to get the five stars. Like you might get like like um, a flash in the pan guy like AJ Dillon, um, who um, gets cast off by like Michigan, uh, and like you, you have a spot for him. But like the, the big thing I think you get from BC is like these three star recruits where, where you're like, okay, hey buddy, you're you're a little bit underrated, but I think we can get you to where you want to go. We've got guys in the NFL, uh, and we can get you there. Um, and alumni are big in that. And, like, the, I think the presence of alumni is big. Uh, so, like, bringing guys back like Andre Williams, who, like, played in the league for uh, a minute, um, Josh Kyes, um, Luke Keekley, Matt Ryan. Uh, and granted, I'll, I'll, I'll back him down. I don't think Luke and, or Matt have mentioned anything about that, or about, about this yet. Or uh, I don't know if they will. But, um, you know, like, bringing those guys back is important. And having the, that, that alumni presence is important. Um, so to kind of cast off people like Andre Williams and Josh Kyes is a problem um, because they're they're living, breathing examples of how the program, uh, like there's there obviously there's more than one way to measure the success of a program. But I think the most talked about measure of success is how many guys you place in the NFL. They made it to the NFL. Um, and they were living, breathing examples of how Steve Adazio succeeded. Um, and he cast them off. And not only that, he snitched on Josh Kyes to Dan Quinn, which 
was insane that he would do that to somebody who played for him. Like the, the fact that he would do that to anybody uh, is, is just ludicrous. Um, but he did that, and um, it, it's and, and I think that all kind of traces back to this, this, this really bad problem with ego that he had um, at BC. Like he he just had that, um, and he he I think he was I don't know if he was insecure in his job or whatever. Like I'm not a psychologist or anything, but he gave off that aura, um, and you can't be like that. I, I think you're absolutely right, Patrick. I think he doesn't he didn't have the requisite ego to deal with the pressures of, of this job, and he lashed out um, at people he thought he could control, um, and the program suffered for it. Yeah, it's um, it truly is all coming together, and it is most certainly not beautiful. Um, I think kind of wraps up how I feel about the firing. It is it was time. I don't think there's any way to defend it and defend him any longer. Um, Martin Jarman has a very, very big decision he has to make now. And uh, the way that he makes it will be incredibly important. I think that this is, I mean, I mean, one, this is where the, you as an athletic director, this is where you make your money. Um, This is a multi-million dollar decision. Uh, You are paid lots of money to make that multi-million dollar decision don't fuck up. Like, that is the only way to sort of approach it. I am hopeful that... I'm hopeful and optimistic that Martin Jarman can do the right thing, that he will make the right hire. I don't know who that hire is. I will not pretend that I... I don't even have a favorite at this point for who I think will be BC's head coach. I have someone who I think, my gut says it will be Al Washington, um, or Halfley, the Ohio State defensive coordinator, and maybe uh, Washington as a D coordinator, which would be okay just due to the Ohio State ties. Um, Jarman says that he would like to have a coach by December 18th, which is two weeks from today, uh, which is the early signing day, which is a really, really fast turnaround. Um, if it is Halfley, one of those guys, uh, he's going to be calling a Scott Frost where he's working two jobs at once in order to sort of wrap up the recruiting class. Um, I'd be very curious to see how it goes. And yeah. Um, I I don't really have a favorite right now. Obviously, a lot of names have been thrown out. Um, Al Washington, Halfley, uh Pete Carmichael Jr., who's the Saints offensive coordinator, and we've all seen his former co-coordinator is now the offensive coordinator at Louisiana State, and you've seen how their offense has bloomed this year. I think there's a lot um, that could go right for them this year. So uh, there's a lot of talent people to choose from. It's all about the right fit. It could be Mike Elko. It could be anyone. Um, uh, there's no there's no waves or no signs yet. They're going to go through the interview process. Arthur, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, so here's my feeling. I, I think I've come around a little bit on, on Al Washington. Um, like, I, I think I was lukewarm on, on him last week. But the more I thought about it, I think the more that it makes sense. I think he is a couple of years away from being head coach, but might as well get in on the ground floor and see if he's ready now. Um, the one thing I'm concerned about is is that sort of quick turnaround. And 
I'm worried that Martin Jarman is going to see Al Washington as a pretty popular option amongst the BC community uh, and say, hey, you know what? My fans like him. He is probably going to be okay. Let's do it. Um, because like at, at the end of the day, I like I said, I I like Al Washington, and um, I I think even even my feelings were last week were like I think he's going to, I think he's going you make a great head coach. I I just had some concerns about you know some level of experience, but the more I thought about, it, I think the more I like sort of a younger guy, um, like with possibly like sort of like a new kind of impression. Um, but like I I just don't want this hiring process to be sort of falling back onto us familiar. Um, I think part of the problem, I, I, I think the problem with, with doing that is we just got rid of the old guard. Um, and I, I'm not saying that Al Washington is the old guard because he's not, but he was still part of it, if, if that makes sense. Um, and I, I think he's going to make his, sort of create his own identity um, on, at the program, but I, I I just think it's worthwhile to take a look at your other options before you, you come back and make that decision um, to see if there's if there's something outside of our coaching tree for the past seven years that could be a better option because I just think that that's healthier for the program. And I would go as far as I agree because. Um, I personally am afraid that Boston College has this sort of like they're trying to find the next Ryan Day. They are trying. They're like they're terrified. They're like, oh my God, we let Ryan Day get away. How did we let this happen? And how can we make sure it never happens again? And therefore, we've built this sort of weird, I don't want to say cult of personality, but we've put extremely high expectations on Washington as like a, well, we lost Ryan Day and he went to Ohio State and. Well, that we we lost Al, and who was incredibly popular amongst the coaches and the players, and we're thinking, well, now now we need we need him because he could he he's Ryan Day 2.0. Um, so I think that fear is what I am I am afraid of for BC. Ultimately, I think Jarman does a full round of interviews, does all of his interviews, does sort of leaves no stone unturned, does his due diligence, checks in with guys like who've been linked, like maybe Moorhead, uh, Elko, who's at Texas A&M, all these guys who have sort of like weird have Chip Kelly. And unless you are convinced that someone else is coming for your man, uh, like you think that, you know, hell, I don't know. Someone is going to come hire Al Washington between now and the 18th. I think you just, you just wait. You just, Keep looking, keep looking, keep looking, and when you've gone through every available candidate, you sit down and you say, "Okay, now what? What have we learned?" And I think ultimately, I don't know who it's going to be. Uh, I don't even have bets yet. I haven't even sort of looked at all the candidates, but I have faith in Jarvin that he will make the right decision. I just hope that he doesn't rush it. Yeah, and that's my big thing too. Like, if if he if he does that search and he comes back and says and says, "Hey, Al Washington's my guy." That's great. Um, like I said, I'm not opposed to him. I just don't want to be lazy um, and, and and come back to what's what's familiar. Like I, I uh, and I, I 
you know, I don't want to imply that he, he will be because, like, that's not his track record. Like, if there's one thing with Martin Jarman is that he, you know, he, he's, he's done his due diligence in his case coaching. Um, but um, I, I think that if we, if, we, if we rush this, it could be bad. If we come back and we come back and we say Al Washington's our guy, then he's our guy. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm more comfortable. Um, we can break down these, I think, next week, or maybe do an emergency sort of weekend episode because I haven't done enough research yet. But regarding Al, I'm okay with Al if you can promise me that there is significant turnover in the staff. I think we just lost Patrick there. Are you there, bud? There's all. Um, uh, what I'll say is, I, I I think I tend to agree with what Patrick was saying uh, in that um, I, I do think it's, it's necessary for. Are you back? Uh, he has just dropped, so he's going to come back in in a second. But I think Patrick is right um, in that. I think it's important, like to sort of, because like I I I think having some familiarity with the program is good, uh, but yeah, you know, at at the same time, I I think it's it's important for, um, like if you have Al Washington, I think there's a way to have I think there's a way to have Al Washington right, and I I think part of the problem is if you have Al Washington and you have some, like a lot of the same guys again, um, that could result in sort of getting back into our old ways, and I don't think that's good for anybody. Are you back? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I don't want the Steve Adazio regime 2.0 with a younger, more energetic, more friendly head coach. I want to see serious changes on both sides of the ball, and it's, it's that's ultimately what I mean. So we're here for, right? We're not here. The reason you do change at the top is so that you can get structural change, not just you know a change in game management. So I'm optimistic. There are a lot of questions. Jarman, in Jarman, we trust. In Jarman, we trust. And that's really all I have to add on the coaching search right now. Um, I also have nothing to say about Boston College basketball because I will be releasing the column accurately. Yeah, read the column. Yeah, read the column. It's it's I, I I've read it already. It's it's gonna be really solid. Um, just briefly, uh, hockey had a really uh, good game last week uh, weekend against Harvard. Um, they, they went into a very difficult uh, building to play in, um, and um, they um, 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 they had a really good game, um, and yeah, Patrick, do you have anything? Uh, I mean, they're up to fifth in pairwise, which is the RPI, which is about as good as you can ask for um, this point in the season, given what we expected. 
they continue to sort of play good hockey, which is something that they haven't done. So, yeah, that's all we have. That's all I have for this episode. Yeah, that's all I have, too. Uh, so, as always, uh, we've got some football coming up. Obviously, it's not BC, um, but we've got some really good championship games coming up this weekend. So, enjoy um, the football. Hockey's got some big games this weekend, too. Um, I believe it's the Notre Dame home and home. Um, don't and, watch BC Bash. Yeah, don't. Uh, but... Um, be responsible, enjoy the games, and we'll see you next week here on BCNI Radio. Go Eagles! Go Eagles! Go Eagles.